Welcome to We the People, a podcast giving a Christian perspective on news, politics, hot topics, and so much more. Hosted by Rodney Nesmith, worship pastor at New Life Fellowship in Lovelock, Nevada. This week, Rodney is joined by Karen Kingston, a former Pfizer employee and biotech analyst who's on a mission to expose the dangerous corruption plaguing medical establishments, government, and the media. She'll speak extensively on the COVID-19 vaccine Pfizer created. The latest episode of We the People will start right after this quick commercial break. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy, because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. And now it's time for We the People. Here's Rodney. Hey, good evening, everybody. This is Rodney, your host of the We the People podcast. And uh, man, we've got a great guest for you tonight. And uh, her bio is extensive. And uh, her name is Karen Kingston. Kingston. She is a biotech analyst and med legal expert. And she is the owner of Veritage Strategies Consulting Firm. And she's going to give us some good stuff tonight. So, Karen, thank you for being on the podcast. And uh, good to see you. Thanks for having me, Pastor Rodney. I appreciate it. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I guess where to start, uh, if you're, I think a lot of viewers are wondering what's in the shots, maybe that's where we start What? what yeah, are. we can start there and, uh, and we can, you know, anything along that line info you can give us and, uh, and along with your education and how you got there and all that kind of stuff yeah. is, is all good info. Sure. So my background, um, is I've been in the industry for over 25 years, uh, meaning the pharmaceutical medical device and biotechnology industry. So um, you can tell by my bio, I'm an exception to the rule. I was, um, I was recruited by Pfizer prior to graduation, um, which, prior to graduation from getting my bachelor's degree, which is an exception uh, to the rule that most people um, back in the 90s um, were pharmacists or had PhDs or at least right. MBAs, yeah. Um, uh, but I used to volunteer in hospitals and AIDS clinics since I was a teenager and, and throughout my 20s. And um, the people in the hospital thought I was always strange because I would read these things called the product monographs. And they're, they're you know, 80, 100 some odd pages long. And they go through all the pharmacology and all the diseases <laughs> and, you know, all the drug names, you know. Right, right. Um, yeah. So like a torvastatin, amlodipine, well, you know. And I thought it was fascinating. They're like, you're, you are strange. And, and um <laughs> You know, these drug reps would come. This is a funny story. So these drug reps would come through the hospitals and the AIDS clinics and stuff. And I was working at a hospital in Mount Kisco. And these reps came through. And I was like, what do you guys do for a living? And they're like, oh. And they, they literally talk like this. Like, uh, we like talk to, like, doctors and, like, the pharmacists. And we bring them, like, lunch. And uh, we try to get, like, our drugs on formulary. And then we ask them to prescribe it. And, you know, that's kind of like what we do. And they're like, you should totally do this. And I was like, oh. I said, I'm not a, I'm not a, a pharmacist. You know, I said, I just, I volunteer here. Um, I haven't even got my bachelor's degree. I said, I'm not qualified. And one of the reps was like, oh my gosh, you're like totally qualified. You're totally cute. And so <laughs> I'm not kidding. And, and I was like, well, you, she had a PhD. Wow. And, that's funny. 
It is funny, but the thing is, the truth is the three months of training that you go through is like this crazy, it's like one year, it's the first year of med school, but you go through it in three months and you have to mm -hmm. learn all the systems of the body and all these disease states and you have to memorize, you know, 20 to 30 drugs and five to 10 categories of drugs in each disease state. It's, it's super intense, but it's like, that's my thing. Like I, I have a little bit of a photographic memory. So like I, I end up getting like the highest grade in like phase three training. Like, I mean, all yes. that stuff. so I just, you know, and I was number one rep and I just knocked it out of the park. And then I went on to the, I got bored very quickly. My, my, my manager, my district manager was like, she's, she's going to be gone in 18 months because <laughs> I, I used to work with cardiologists, like on the Upper East side of New York city. So I, I got, I got a job in New York city right out of college, which is un, unheard of. And I was promoted to cardiovascular rep, and I and I worked with, um, gosh, Klaus Peter Runtrop, who actually did cardiac surgery on my father. Uh, you know, he's in heaven now, my father. Um, mm -hmm. He he was one of the original doctors out of Germany that discovered that the it was actually the clots that cause heart attacks. So people oh, wow. that the heart attack, the the clots happened after the heart attack. So um, I worked with Gottlieb. I mean, I, I'm not not Gottlieb from um, the FDA. Um, Gottlieb right. from Cornell. And I just, I just had this, you know, and then I, I then I got recruited to the Viagra account and everyone on that account. Um, uh, my long-term friend, Otter Yerall, is now head of Ernst & Young's mergers and acquisitions for the entire industry. Uh, other people went to launch billion-dollar IPOs. I mean, I just worked with these incredible group of people. I mean, I was running yeah. with, you know, it wasn't even running with the bulls. I was running with the, you know, swimming with the whales. And right. I just had this, you know, crazy, I mean, I should write a screenplay, I mean, I, when I was 26, I had an office next to the president of Foot Conan Belding, you know, which was one of the original Medicine Avenue, Madison Avenue uh, pharma companies. And then when I got recruited to Klein Davis Mann, I worked for Edward Wise and he's the man like he he, mm -hmm. he was he ran Omnicom. So he ran all medical advertising agencies eventually around wow. the globe. Uh, he retired like two years ago. So I just had this really crazy, fun crazy i mean we didn't i didn't we worked all the time like i'd have to ask for sunday evenings off so we we never we never not worked like my you know my mother saw me on thanksgiving and christmas and i usually wow. had a Monday christmas morning and that was you know <laughs> that was that was that was it and it, you know and um so basically you were living to work <laughs> um yeah i mean and what's interesting is so what people don't know is in 2011 my whole world got turned upside down um uh, because I went through a, a, a divorce and, you know, I just, I found, you know, um, the person I married to wasn't the person that, that, that was represented to me mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And oh, I've, I've been there and done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, I get it, it, you know, he, 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 he actually did something. He didn't, we didn't, we didn't know each other. Even though we were married for 10 years and had a child together. He made a motion for full custody and he didn't under like, because I think I worked so much and I built up the seven figure company and my clients were Johnson and Johnson and Medtronic and a mm -hmm. lot of startups. And, um, I actually did, um, consulting work with, um, Lauren Michaels, Broadway, uh, Broadway video department, Lauren Michaels from Saturday night live NBC. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he thought my life was my company, right? Cause that's, right. You know, as you know, I mean, if you're a Christian, it's like what you, what you care about is what you invest your time in. Sure. Uh, so he made a motion for, for for custody, and I walked into my office the next day, gave everyone sixty days notice, and I was like, "I'm shutting down because um, there was nothing more important in my life than my mm -hmm. son." And right, 
Um, and then, you know, I remember in November 2011, I was driving around just in tears because I just didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who I'd been married to. I just shut down my company, which was my identity. Um, there was nothing, you know, as you know, if you have children, there's nothing you would never do. Like you would, I mean, you would do everything for your children. And I just had to get in front of a cross. And I remember just driving around and, and getting, you know, to a church, uh, North Coast Calvary Church, and just getting in front of a cross and just, you know, crying, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, crying out to God, just not knowing what to do. And I talked to a pastor there and um, I got into some accountability groups, prayer groups. You know, into right. people that, yeah. Um, and, you know, within, um, you know, a few, few weeks or months, I gave my life back over to Christ as, you know, I witnessed to it. And then my son and I awesome. got baptized together. My son, when he was eight years old, so he's like, mommy, I want to get baptized with you. So we got baptized together in 2013. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was really awesome. And, um, you know, I realized that, um, so prior to filing for divorce, but I, I kind of knew it was coming. I was out to lunch with a friend of mine who just sold his intellectual property for literally three quarters of a billion dollars. And we're out to lunch and he, you know, and I was complaining. I hope he paid. What? Yeah, I he hope he paid. Yeah, he Eric's a great guy. He's a great guy. And um, uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's, he's remarried to a lovely, a lovely woman, but we were out and uh, I was complaining about something. He was Carrie, you know, all the women in the industry, he's like, they're, they, they want to be you. And I, in my mind, I, I think I thought, oh my gosh, I wish my life upon nobody. Cause I was, you know, if I got three hours of sleep, I was lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I had, it looked great on the outside, but sure. it was, it was emotionally, physically, um, spiritually, you know, exhausting. It was, mm -hmm. you know, and I just remember just being like, Oh, I wish my life upon nobody. And then when I gave my life back over to Christ, I just was so honored to have my life. Oh yeah. To have my life to serve God, to have my life, to understand that God loves me. And I'm to love other people through that love. And that's really what it's about. Yeah. And and that was just um, that was a big shift for me, you know, and mm -hmm. and and then, you know, I took a few years off. I was, a you know, I, I ran a Bible study for four years and I, I did. I actually volunteered, coached a lot of women who had been out of the workforce for a long time, got them back in through my Bible study, taught art in my son's school, taught reading and spelling. We live in a high Hispanic area, so got to work one on one with children and when I went back into the industry um, and I, you know, and, and, and there was just, there were certain things that people did. It, it, it was, you know, they say it's a gray area. It's not a gray area. There was unethical stuff. And I'd be like, yeah. oh, how dare you? And they're like, what is wrong with you? We've always been like this. And I just, like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, you change so much. You oh, don't yeah. realize. Yeah. Um, so when I went back into the industry, was it 2015, I guess, right? I don't even remember now the dates, but I was like an interim chief marketing officer. And that was really cool for like a nutraceutical company. And then there was a mm -hmm. really company I worked for in neuroplasticity. And that was really cool. But I never dove back in because like to get to that like eight figure mark when you're running an agency, like there were things you had to do that are not ethical. Like whether it's setting up slush funds for clients, you know, mm -hmm. um, just inappropriate behavior. So I never really, um, I never really, you know, I never really made it. I, I, I was needed in my industry, but I was not well liked because I never really crossed those lines. So you didn't play the game. I didn't play. Yeah. I didn't play the game. And I think there was always, you know, 
I was born Episcopalian, raised Episcopalian, but you know, I think when you're one of God's children, like you, you know, like the Apostle Paul talks about, you always have that struggle inside of oh, you. Oh yeah. Right? And and I think others can sense it when they're like, oh, oh she's not one of us. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. oh, she's not one of us. Yeah, I know and the so, feeling. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. You only go, you only go so far. But I, you know, I have a reputation for being a like a cleaner. I clean up situations, and and they call me a hummingbird on speed because I'm able to go through massive amounts of data and mm -hmm. analytics and stuff very quickly and summarize it in a strategic manner and and reference it and it could stand up in a court of law. So I was called in when I was needed, even like my last client before I finally became this whistleblower and no one will hire me ever again, called me up and a longtime friend of mine, for, he's a friend of mine for 25 years. And he's like, okay, I need to hire you. I need you to fix this platform. I need you to fix this and this. He goes, don't tell anyone you're working for me. And I was like, dude, what's up? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, don't tell yeah. anybody. Yeah, but don't tell anybody. So, because um, they, you know, they just, because when you have a reputation for being too honest to, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, um, scares people. It does scare people. And and so, anyway, you know, I, you know, it, it, it's just funny because I do have still some friends in the industry, but, you know, especially now with what I'm doing, they got to keep it on the DL, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah for, sure. <laughs> for sure. No doubt. No doubt yeah, about that. So. Anyway, that was a long-winded story, but um, no, that was that was very good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. That was really cool. So yeah. now that you're quote the whistleblower, how yeah. how's that? How does that work? Um. So the, the the reason why I I did this was um you know I I think many of us knew two weeks into the lockdowns I knew before the lockdowns that we were being set up for a vaccine rollout. I thought it was going to be a vaccine rollout like a Vero cell, which is like the monkey line. I just thought it was going to be a bogus vaccine. I thought, okay, mm -hmm. I know the industry's tanking. Um, they need something to resurrect. Like, I, I knew it was suspicious. I had no idea how evil it was. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of us knew two weeks in, though this is bogus. So then they, they announced the rollout of the vaccine. And when they announced that they were going to be launching vaccines, I thought in January 2023, they would announce when the vaccine would be ready. Right. I thought that that like, so when it was ready in December of 2020, I was like, oh, there's something very wrong here. But they were like, oh, we're just going to inject it in, you know, 85 and older and very high risk and stuff. And I was like, mm, this, doesn't mm. sound, this doesn't sound safe. But I was like, you know, and my family thought I was nuts because I kept telling, I mean, I, I was tracking this thing from day one, patient zero out of Wuhan, patient zero in Kings right. County. I knew everything. I was just, because, you know, it was, you, anyway, if you're in, you know, for, for the way my mind works, I could not track it. So, sure. so then they said they were going to go, you know, and, and inject younger adults. And I was like, you know, and then they announced that they were going to inject children. You know, and I knew when they authorized it, it was for 16 and older, but I thought, well, no, no one in, you know, they didn't roll it out for children. I thought no one in the right mind is going to inject a young adult or teenager. And then they announced um, that they were going to be injecting 12 to 15 year olds. And that, and I would say that around March, it was like uh, God put a millstone around my neck, literally. Um, and, you know, he kept putting on my heart, you know, I want you to look into this. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, already, I already, I already have a bad, like a bad already the for, Yeah, for being too, I'm not, I don't want to look into this. And, um, 
in, in May, uh, and I started dabbling, looking at, into the stuff. Like I pulled the FDA data, um, which looked really bad, but I kind of just skimmed through it. I found some of the early studies, you know, going back to 2004 using, you know, uh, monkey HIV and HIV and the virus. And, you know, it was obvious it was lab made. I don't know how people ever in our industry ever thought it wasn't. Hey, I'm a layman and I never doubted it was lab made for a minute. Yeah. yeah but then he, and then, well, then I found like the patents and I was like, they, they didn't, they, they read as, they read as bioweapons. Um, and, um, and I just kind of, I know I'm making this face. I just, and I, I just didn't, I didn't want to go into it. And I literally got a, you know, and it just, it was this heavy feeling on my heart. And I literally got a one-way ticket not to Nineveh. I went to Mexico, my favorite place, you know. And I'm there. And the second day there, I am bawling on the beach. And I had to go pay my friends at the scuba shop where I go all the time. I'm like, go to Staples and buy me a printer, you know. And I was like, and I was like, and, and I, I spent my whole vacation in my room printing all this stuff out. Wow. Going through it. And um I came home and I still hadn't done what God asked me to do. And I just, I was avoiding it. I wasn't being obedient. And I know people might criticize me. I'm just not, I'm obedient now, but even still, I, it's tough. Right. I mean, for me, it's like, yeah. I don't think, you know, God was asking me to do what I, what I normally have a team of 20 people to do. And I, I was like, I don't want to do this. So I, I go, and I used to be a fitness instructor. So I go to the gym because I didn't want to do it. I'm like, I'm just going to work out and, and forget about this. And in the gym, this woman goes, boom, timber, over. I've never seen this happen. I used to be mm. a dance instructor in, in New York City and stuff when I was younger. And I taught, taught never. And, and then I was fitness instructor five years. Never seen anyone go under, go over. The fitness instructor was a former drill instructor, forgets everything about CPR. And so I have to tend to her, call 911, all this other stuff. Because, you know, you know when you're, you're trained and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm actually really cool about it because in my mind, I'm thinking it's the shop that did this to her. Right. But, you know, and, but I was, I was not freaking out and yeah. um, never called now in my life, never had to, you know, <laughs> anyone for CPR, blah, blah, blah. Two days later, I'm going to church and I'm going to make a left in the parking lot. And right in front of me, there's this T-bone accident. Airbags go off. This woman comes out. She almost looks possessed, all tatted up, like walking around, like literally looked like zombie, like possessed. 10 people are standing around. Nobody calls 911. I have to call 911 again. Wow. So now I'm freaked out. I go into church and we're listening to worship music and I just put my hands up and I said, oh, you know, God, just give me some words of comfort. And I hear as clear as day, how many times do I need to make you call 911 before you're going to call 911 for my children? Ooh. And I like start bawling. Oh, and then I yeah. contact with the pastor. And, and I said, the pastor, I've got this information. He said, write it up. I didn't sleep for three days. I wrote it all up. I sent it to him. I sent it to Fox News. I sent it to doctors, media outlets. And I just said, here's the data. Here's the patents. Here's the early research out of Wuhan. If you have an expert look at this, they'll come to the same conclusion that I did, which is that these are not vaccines, but they are bioweapons that have advanced technologies in them that can target the respiratory system, cardiovascular system, neurological system reproductive system and specifically cross the blood brain barrier. That was literally the email I wrote in May, 2021. And then you'll get a kick out of this. So I send the email out and I was like, okay, God, I did what you told me to do. I'm done. And right. And like a week later, like I pour a glass of Chardonnay and I turn on Tucker Carlson. Cause I sent it to Fox news. And I'm like, I just saved the world and no one's going to know it was me. 
And they start talking about how this may have been a lab leak. I'm like, wrong story. Right. Yeah. So, so, right. Right. so then I, um, I actually started making posts on social media and then I ended up getting threats. I had to stay with friends and a friend goes, go to this Doug Billings event in Missouri. Doug's going to be there. And I knew who he was because mm -hmm. hold the line with General Flynn and Vander's still there and Mel Kane. And they're like, bring your research and go talk to them. So I talked to the travel agent for the event and he, and I start, he goes, why are you coming? And I explained it. And he goes, well, why don't you speak at the event? Like, and I was like, sure, I'll speak at him, speak at the event. And then he's like, send me your YouTube channel. I'm like, why would I have a YouTube channel? Right. I get right. right. <laughs> so I speak at the event. And that was how um, people got to know who I was. It was just, it was coordinated. I mean, you can't explain it. So I spoke at the event and um, my time was cut short because that's always happened at the events. Patrick Byrne was on after me and I get off stage and about half of the audience lines up to speak to me and I'm confused. I'm like, why do they want to speak to me? But oh. I had shown them what was in the vials. I had explained to them the FDA filings, what had happened in the clinical trials and they wanted more information. And then mm -hmm. Doug did a series of about 10 or 12 interviews with me. Um, and then Stu Peters saw me and asked me to come on the show. And, and that, that interview has probably gotten close to a hundred million views. The one with wow. Stu, the, the first one. Yeah. So there's people want People know something's wrong and they want the truth. So uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's my story. That's a long story. Sorry. No, that, that is amazing. First of all, and, and, and I find it funny in a, because I've kind of been there was in that spot in that uh, where like God's telling you something to do and you're going, no, I did it. No, I, I did it. You, I told you, you're like, I'm done. No, you shouldn't do it. I know. I know. And, you, and you know, what's funny. I don't think you understand this too. It's like, this isn't my first rodeo. So I've been involved with venture capital deals, you know, up to a hundred million dollars. And um, if you mess up someone's hundred million dollar check, like, like there's threats made, like there's like there people, I mean, people will kill for money. Like there's, oh, a yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. an expression called blood money. Mm -hmm. So what people don't understand, like as an analyst too, and a business analyst, I realized that the mRNA technology platform and synthetic biology was a market that was created basically in 2018. That's been forecasted out to trillions of dollars hmm. with about 50% of the products and manufacturing originating out of China. That's just, that's just the way that it, that it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, if I'm going to try to disrupt and destroy this market, which is what I'm trying to do, mm -hmm. which, which God will do, God will do it. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing my best to be obedient. Um, I had to do, I mean, I love, I think I just they praise God for the Bible because I had to do what Abraham did. I had to mourn everything that I was afraid to lose. And I had to be willing to sacrifice my most precious gifts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, for three days, that's what I had to do before I had the, it's not courage because you've already given everything up to God. Right. And, and, and I don't think that's what, so I think that's an important thing that when people start recognizing the truth, you should be scared. You should be, um, nervous you should be you should mourn mm -hmm. but through that mourning is how you get confidence and courage and the um enthusiasm to want to save others and to want to serve god knowing that you're not fighting for it's not about someone's life anymore it's about salvation it's about yep. 
it's about eternal impact, you know? Absolutely. And, and I think, um, yeah, the only, the only way out of this is, is, is through it and through being yeah. obedient to, to, to Christ, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. I couldn't agree with what you said any more than I do because you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, yeah. And, and now when I found out, and I'll tell your viewers what's in the injections. So when I found out what's in the injections, I, I didn't want to tell people. I mean, when Doug Billy's told me oh, my like was cut short, I was like, awesome. Like, <laughs> I, was like I, don't, I don't want to tell people that there's HIV glycoprotein 120. And why would I want to tell anybody that? You know, nobody had been talking about this stuff yet. You know, right. I don't. You know, um, I didn't want to tell them about all the diseases it was going to cause, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I told my pastor, you know, but um, I was like, it's his job to tell you. Like, you <laughs> right. I'll let him be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or, or or an expert, you know. Right. So, um, yeah, it's something that you just you don't you don't you know, you don't even wish, wish it upon your worst enemy. So mm-hmm. um so I guess let's, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about what, what's in, in the uh, vials or, you know, and you can start with what, what caused COVID-19. So, um, yeah, you know, let's, not, let's without, do that. Yeah. So without getting into the debate about what's a virus or not a virus, but a virus is by experts definition, inert DNA or RNA. It's, 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 it's dead genetic material. It's basically, it needs some kind of life form to be brought to life. So okay. uh, some experts call them dead parasites, right? So, it, you know, that's why parasites are typically the spreaders of viruses, which produce toxic uh, genetic material in your body, basically, right. right? But what's interesting about what they call mRNA is it's synthetically recreated ribonucleic acid, that's a virus, single helix, it's very unstable. So mm-hmm. if you look at the history of MR of what they call mRNA, what it is is it's gene editing of cells, right? Where they silence, you know, certain cells to create new proteins, and then they have guided RNA, and they create these new proteins. But those new proteins are the modified RNA or the synthetic RNA. It's very unstable, right? Okay. Catherine Whitehead out of Carnegie Mellon, who's an expert in um, mRNA, CRISPR-Cas9, she's like, it's unstable. We don't. We don't even do it in petri dishes anymore because it's so unstable. They need to do the genetic editing inside the cells, inside the animal. Hmm. You know, um, and Frank DeRosa, who's the head of Sanofi's mRNA division and head of vaccinology at Sanofi, which is one of the largest vaccine companies in the world, said, you know, if you look at RNA wrong, it falls apart. So the whole concept that there was an mRNA virus that was contagious mm-hmm. was bogus. Even, even. Ralph Barrick in 2016 in PNAS, when he published his, you know, he said, I have a library of bat coronaviruses that I created. And he said, they're not of pandemic potential. If we can infect one person, the likelihood of them infecting another person is nil, right? Hmm. So what what did Ralph Barrick do? So that was 2016. It was actually submitted in 2015, published in 2016. Okay. 2018, there's the DARPA pitch from um, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Jason Murphy, right, from the Marines, he, he releases this to Project Veritas. And it's EcoHealth Alliance's pitch to DARPA. And it's got Zhang Li Shi, the bat lady, you know, her name's in it, Ralph Barrick's name's in it, Peter Daszak's name's in it. And, uh, and Barrick's, you know, the, the, the chief of the whole organization, of the whole operation. And what does he say? He says, I'm going to take my mRNA bat viruses, 
So those are, they're nothing more than, than codes. They're just software codes. Mm -hmm. right? They're uh, with nucleotides, AGTC, whatever. And he's like, I'm going to take my codes. And it says right there in the DARPA page, I'm going to combine those with nanoparticles. Right? So the nanoparticles are not, they're technology. And if you look right. at the DOD contract, it's clear that they're nanotechnology. So what people understand is biotechnology is technology that imitates biology, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's taking biology and integrating it with technology. And then the, there's another division called Synbiota, synthetic biology, okay. which is synthetic biology. It's technology right. that actually mimics the biology of all living organisms and specifically humans. Okay. So these nanoparticles are all technology. That's what they are. Mm -hmm. and, and, that's, and, and that's what the virus was. So if you read the DARPA pitch, they say for 10 years, the DARPA pitch is, if you understand it, it's, it's, kind, it's not funny, but it's ridiculously funny, right? They, they say, okay, we've got these bats and we're going to infect the bats with our nanoparticles and we can, we can put it in, in a gel and something that they eat or something when they groom each other, they can infect each other with the gel or we can put it in aerosol attacks and we can spray down their caves. Now, this is the thing about the bat caves. So they say they can spray down the bat caves when they go in and out of their caves Right. And, and then they call the bat caves their bat homes. But they say when they go to their non-bat homes, they can, no, I'm not kidding. They go, when they go to their non-bat homes, we could spray them down at the non-bat homes or give them something to eat or drink. Like when they're at their bat happy hour, so you can get a, I mean, like, no. get, get a cocktail. Get a cocktail. And then they talk about, literally, this is in the driver pitch. They talk about vampire bats in New York City that can be infected with the lipid nanoparticles that don't have the spike protein. So, you know, when the vampire bats are waiting for the, the six at 5 p.m. to go home. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and, and they call wild vampire bats. Now, here's the thing. There's no wild vampire bats in all of the United States of America. Oh, they're in yikes. Southern Mexico and South America. So right. they're not talking about bats, people. So for, for 10 years, EcoHealth Alliance and DARPA, right, through the U.S. military, they've been using this lipid nanoparticle technology, which was originally the, the one of the masterminds behind it is this guy, James Giordano, who's from the Marines, who joined um, as a consultant to Obama in 2008 to uh, the U.S. military, to the Navy, to the Army. Um, and he also launched the Brain Initiative, I believe, in 2012 and then in 2016 which is using neural neuro weapon, lipid nanoparticle technology to hijack the human brain. Okay. And there's many interviews on this. So, so, what, so what made people sick is this nanoparticle technology. And James Giordano explains it. He goes, and he actually has a, a 2020 presentation on COVID-19. Um, but, but in 2018, he gave a talk at um, West Point to the cadets. And he said, I have a pen. He goes, the tip of this pen... There is enough nanoparticle technology here that I can infect all of you or where I come from. He comes from Queens, all of yous, right? That's what he says. And he goes, now, if I wanted to start a, I lost you. If I wanted to start, am I still recording? Yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> he goes, if I wanted to, if I wanted to create a pandemic, he goes, I could create sentient cases with this much nanoparticle technology here, 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 and here. 
And then I could use the media and social media to create the hype to create a pandemic of the word well. With less than three dozen cases, I can create a pandemic of strokes, making people sick, but not dead. And I can shut down an entire nation. And that's wow. what they did. So wow. what people don't understand is that the nanoparticle technology, the original transmission, um, and Deborah Burke says this, people don't remember, in, in March of 2020, she goes, I'm so surprised at how long this virus lives on surfaces. That's called the fomite transmission. Because it's not a virus, it's a nanoparticle technology. It's it's a synthetic microorganism um, that's parasitic in nature. So the way people got sick originally was aerosol attacks, or it could have been through all those Amazon deliveries. Those packages could have been sprayed down. And the nanoparticles are they have what's called um, biomarkers on them, or ligands, or moieties, and they're and they're targeted to go across your olfactory nerve. Now these are not nerves that get infected during a cold. These are these are these are central nervous system nerves. Okay. This is what causes the, the loss of taste and smell. The idea is that it's trying to get up into your brain. Right. So that's what happened to a lot of people was they, they got this aerosol attack or they got a fomite transmission and and these are targeted and programmed to go to the blood brain barrier. So they're targeted to go right up into here mm. and try to cross it. Now, what's fascinating is I tracked all the early cases. I mean, all of them. Um, I tracked early cases where out of China, they tested you know, men's semen. They didn't find the lipid nanoparticle technology in men's semen. They tested 222 women's breast milk who were breastfeeding. Uh, they found almost none, if not only trace amounts of the spike proteins in the breast milk. Not like it didn't, it didn't, it was never transferred to the baby, right? Okay. This did not infect other people. Uh, there were 222 workers out of Wuhan, out of at at, at zero mm-hmm. case, case zero. There was no um, transmission to to um, other their home people in their homes or other people in the hospital. There were 35,000 people who were hospitalized in Beijing or Hong Kong. I don't remember. Again, early on in the pandemic, there was no what they call nosocomial transmission. There was no hospital transmission of people that were admitted to the hospital. With SARS-1 and MERS, the hospital transmission rates were between like 7% and 30%. There was none. There was no human-to-human transmission. You had to be contaminated. You had to be poisoned with this bioweapon to become sick. Wow. The only way you could then infect other people, as Jason Murphy said, is that if you're injected with it, because then it goes directly into your bloodstream and you don't stand a chance, your body has no chance to fight off this bioweapon. Sure. so... Also, there was only one child that was the age of 15 that actually even presented with symptoms of COVID-19 out of China early on, out of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of cases. So children's Mm -hmm. immune system was so strong, it was like a ninja warrior, it actually wiped out the bioweapon. So the only way to get children sick with this was to inject them. And the FDA knows that and Pfizer knew that. Um, And they knew that, so what what caused COVID-19 is the same thing that's in the injections. It's the nanoparticle technology. Wow. So is this like I've thought, and I'm just going to ask the question because this has been my thought. Mm-hmm. Is this all about money? Uh, so there's there's two motivations because so when I read the patent and I said it read as a bioweapon, mm-hmm. I'll just tell you. So it, they can program in something called the HeLa cell, stem cell line. And they can put in something called serum response factor and vascular endothelial growth factor. They can program in aggressive tumors. I predicted 
in 2021, I was on Brandon House saying, you're going to see an unprecedented amount of aggressive tumors from um, myeliomas to um, glibobastoma, I can't, the, the brain cancers. And right, I go, it's right. going to come on. All of a sudden, people are going to die within two to three weeks because I read the patents. So they can program the disease and then they can add response factors to accelerate groomer tumor growth. And that's what okay. they did. So this, so that's just evil. Yeah, that's not no to create doubt. a new market, right? Mm -hmm. That, but right, there's this whole new market called myocarditis. Yep. So this produces two types of proteins, um, more than two types, but two of the types is called an an amyloid wild type spike protein that causes myocarditis. Oh, well, guess what? There is a product called Vindical by Pfizer that's for amyloid spike protein myocarditis. It's two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars of treatment. Oh, they happen to acquire it in 2021. Uh, this also, we know women um, who through shedding or if they're injected, they even if they're postmenopausal or young girls, also may have they're hemorrhaging, they have heavy bleeding. Oh, Pfizer acquired a product for women with heavy bleeding. Right. So, so hmm. the pharma industry was pretty much, it was dead on arrival in 2019. There was no resuscitating it. It really 2016, they were shutting everything down. This technology created new disease states that they can then treat. Wow. Uh, but, but some of, some of it's just, some of it's just pure evil. I mean, when you, when you take a look at what it does to the babies, um, the babies meaning four months and younger, mm -hmm. um, there was dozens of babies who developed, um, status epilepticus, which is multiple seizures a day. Their brains were smoothed over. Um, the, the babies were permanently neurologically damaged, uh, through EEGs, they showed permanent brain damage within the babies, meaning there was a group of babies, six to 24 months. So less than two years, uh, there was mm -hmm. 344 babies who were in the placebo group, but then got the injections over an eight-week period. The last follow-up visit was three weeks after the last injection. Only three babies made it to the last follow-up visit. Wow. Reasons for withdrawal include adverse events and death. We don't know what happened to 341 babies. That, so, you're, you used the right word. This straight-up evil. It's evil. It's um, it's it, it's just evil. And I, I got to... So, so there, there is, you know, I finally, I guess, um, they are, there is money being made, but at the end of the day, if you listen to Elon Musk, uh, Yuval Noah Harari, Klaus Schwab, um, e even mm -hmm. Albert Berla, you know, Albert Berla, they've got an entire artificial intelligence center in Thessalonica, right? Which is interesting because Paul wrote a letter, you know, to the Thessalonians yep. about you're going to be deceived with pharmakia. You know, and there's mm -hmm. going to be a great delusion. And that's where Albert Berla and Pfizer have their AI centers on Thessalonica. And that's where he's from, by the way. Hmm. But um, they, um, they want to merge AI with humans. So Dr. Sure. Robert Malone went on Glenn back in 2022. And he said, well, the mRNA technology is a suite of technologies for purposes of transhumanism. And he said transhumanism is non-human biological changes and mechanical changes to humans. And if you read Dr. Malone's patents going back to 1996, these are permanent changes to the human genome. So it's forcing non-human changes and Dr. Malone's patents specifically talk about using genetic material from reptiles and insects, as well as mergers with inorganic materials, metals, and I can explain that, into the human genome. 
So when you are doing something called transhumanism or directed evolution and forcing the evolution of humans with non-human DNA from reptiles and insects, right. and that's extinction. That's the end of our species. Yeah. So this is not a depopulation agenda. It's literally extinction. Wow. And, and Dr. Malone said, you know, they're doing this, you know, for ethical reasons and uh, otherwise. And I, I don't believe it's ethical. I think it's grossly unethical. I think it's blasphemous. And I think it's pure evil. And I, I it, transhumanism is the definition of biowarfare. It is the criminal experimentation on humans. Right. For the purposes of causing disease, disabilities, death, and the extinction of our species. Yeah, that's evil. And that's that's playing God. It, it is playing God. And when you ask that woman, her name's, I can't, her can't remember her name, something Duda, the CRISPR-Cas9 woman, she's, mm -hmm. you know, she says, oh, people say we're playing God. She goes, but I assure you, none of us are playing. And, yeah, and there you they, go. Call, they call the technology God's scalpels, but I mean, I call it Satan's knife. I mean, this is yeah. not. Yeah, this is, this is straight up demonic garbage. It, that's what it is. It's evil. It's demonic. It's, and yeah, satanic. I'm, that's, yeah. I'm just going to be honest about it. Yep, that's what it is. And before the devil can destroy, you must deceive. And, you know, I've said so many times on Stu Peters, I'm so sorry people have been betrayed um, and manipulated. Yeah. And, you know, and we're being asked to call what's evil good. And, and we need oh, to yeah. not do that. Um, my frustration is I've always said since day one that this is a, a weapon of biowarfare because it is. In 2017, vaccine nanotechnology the pegylated lipid nanoparticle technology was granted a patent to the NIH and MIT and Harvard for use as a bioweapon. And so why would you file a patent for use as a bioweapon unless you knew it was going to be used as a bioweapon and you wanted to make sure you got your royalty payments on it? Right, right. So th that's what this stuff is. And, and, and people tell me, well, that, you know, you need to come up with a different term. And I'm like, no, that's the term. That term, the, the term bioweapon is defined by 18 USC 175 it is any biological agent, toxin, or a delivery device, which is what the LMPs are. There are there are electromagnetic devices that don't prevent infection or transmission, don't protect against hospitalization or disease, and were not done under bona fide research. And I can talk through that too. The research was criminal. It was mm -hmm. done. The FDA approval and authorization was all done, but it was all criminal. And it's not for peaceful purposes. Something that causes harm or injury, by definition, is a weapon. So yeah, these correct. meet the definition of a weapon. And every state has laws against the use of bioweapons. And it's the same laws that, that are for, for bombs. So mm -hmm. every sheriff can remove these injections from their communities the same way they can go and remove a bomb from a school. They don't need anyone's permission to do it. They go and do it. And then you go dare a judge to, to demand that you put those weapons back into your community crazy yeah absolute craziness yeah and i think you know what's happened is because some people are okay you know and they're not they didn't get sick so many people got sick a lot of people got hospitalized after being injected with the mm -hmm. injection which is in pfizer's trial by the way 409 people within one week of the first or second dose came down with severe covid which means that they had um low oxygen levels, were put on a ventilator, mm -hmm. had neurological kidney or liver dysfunction, were admitted to the ICU or died. 409 people had that happen within one week of the first and second dose of the Pfizer injection. Yeah, and I was going to say, look, I mean, we don't even know how many people died from just the 
quote vaccine, and I use that term very loosely um, because it's not a vaccine. Um, you know, how many people have died from that? I mean, on its own, on face value, not not from COVID, but from the vaccine itself. I mean, there's I know the numbers we're getting are not accurate. I mean, we're, it's, it's in the, the millions. I mean, if you take a look at the data that Edward Dow brought forward from the um, Society of Actuators, you know, the life insurance data, mm -hmm. I mean, Q3 2021, when um, Biden declared the, the, the unlawful and criminal mandate for employers uh, in the state of Florida, nearly a 200% increase overall state for excess deaths and 180% increase, 176%, I think it is, excess deaths in, in those aged 44 and younger for, for our working society, for our working employees. So that's really alarming, right? Because the purpose of an employee, of an employer mandating the vaccine is to make sure that his employees or his or her employees stay healthy. Yeah. In, and now you've got an excess death of almost 200%. Yeah, that's the opposite. That's the opposite. And then if you take a look at the V-safe data, which Steve Kirsch just published, I don't know who put it out there, but Steve made it like everyone aware of it, you'll see that in every state. So this is 10 million people who were the early people that got, got injected early. They downloaded an app from the CDC mm -hmm. and it says, it usually says around 10 to 18% of the people had a serious adverse event, but a serious adverse event, which is grade three is defined as you're not able to do your daily activities. So you can't go to school. You can't go to work. You can't play tennis. You can't clean your house. Right. Whatever. Well, you'll see that number is 30 to 40 percent. So, uh, you know, nearly four out of 10 people after they get the shot the next day, they can't go to work. So why would you mandate this? Yeah, that's it, exactly right. Yeah. And, and, and then you have a high incidence of hospitalizations and death. So the data shows that this causes I mean, there's a direct, there's causation there. There's no other explanation. Yeah. You get the, like what, what I said, I was on with Reiner Fullnet today. And I said, look, if, if there was a school and they were serving milk and if the children who drank the milk, four out of 10 children the next day, couldn't go to school because of fever, muscle aches, diarrhea, headache, neurological disorders, or seizures, you would seize the milk. Oh yeah. In a heartbeat. But we're not seizing the shots, even though four out of 10 people the next day can't go to school because of those reasons. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's because it's a weapon. It's a poison. So this is a matter of getting the information out there. That's um, and the information I'm citing is the same information that um, a we use for to educate doctors. It's the phase three data that's submitted to the FDA. That's all you can use to do your messaging around. But it's mm -hmm. also the data that's that wins in a court of law. Sure. That's what you bring into a court of law. So if someone's saying things that are incorrect or a competitor is, this is what you bring in and go, no, 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 no. That's not mm -hmm. what your data says. But this isn't about false and misleading um, labeling. And I think that's the other thing, too. The attorneys really have it wrong. It's not about false and misleading labeling. It's not about this being a gene therapy that was accidentally labeled as a vaccine because under the vaccine law, they can get away with all that. It's very clear that Pfizer chose to operate outside the laws, the 21 USC, the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act, and even the emergency use authorization laws. They operate outside the laws that regulate the biologics and vaccine industry. So they violated every single law in that industry, every single law. So they're not protected by them. Right. So they need to be prosecuted under 18 USC, which is criminal law, because what they deployed was a weapon of biowarfare. 
they never deployed a vaccine. And so I think that's the big shift that needs to happen. And it's it's very clear when you go through the evidence that the research was fraudulent, that it was criminal in nature. And if you're injecting people per the Department of Defense contract with electromagnetic devices, and you never disclose that to them, that's criminal human experimentation. That's the definition of biowarfare. Right. There's, yeah. Do not, and, and I don't know if people know, but if people know who I am or they read my Substack, Karen Kingston.substack. My, unfortunately, and I say this unfortunately, um, my work is being cited by Lieutenant General Kiryov, who is the chief of Russia's nuclear and bio warfare program. He literally cites my name in my work that my med wow. legal analysis proves that Pfizer deployed weapons of bio warfare. He called on nations in Africa, Asia, and Eastern Europe to nullify their contracts with Pfizer. South Africa has already started to do so, um, as has Croatia and Romania. And so, so this whole concept that um, because I'm not a doctor, uh, you shouldn't look at the facts and evidence and the analysis that I put together that can stand up and start stand up in court of law is nonsense. Yeah. And, 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 and people, you know, I was, I spoke at doctor's events in Pensacola. And when I mentioned this, the doctors applauded me and I, I said, no, no, no. I would accept the applause if Congress or law enforcement or a governor had taken my med legal analysis and began to protect our communities and seize the shots and began criminal prosecution against Pfizer. But the fact that a global military power, one of the top three global military powers, Russia, who now is partnering with China, has decided to take my med legal analysis to hold Pfizer and the Department Threat Reduction Agencies and agencies under the Pentagon to account, that's how Nazi Germany was dealt with. Yeah. It's not something to be applauded. No, no, no. And you got to figure, you look at it this way, is Russia is not our friend. No. So, I mean, they're our enemy. Yeah, they're our enemy. Yeah, they are our enemy. And by the way, the mRNA technology, um, you can't get it in Russia or China. You know, it's just, it's just, in, it's just in the United States and all of our allies. Um so, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. No, and, and that, but what's sad is I don't understand why people think they can just continue to lie to the American people and, and, and the crime's going to go away. You know, judgment's right. coming. It, it, it's going to come. Yeah. Whether it's from Russia and China, which you don't want that. I mean, no. we, we don't we you don't want a communist, socialist, tyrannical governments to take over. Um, I, I don't understand why some people are going, well, Russia's working with Thailand and they're going to hold Pfizer to account and save the world. It's like, are you fools? You absolute fools. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and, so I just, I just hope that county by county people wake up to at least get on the right side of history and get in like in the eyes of God, do Mm -hmm. the right thing, protect his children. Don't continue yeah, to participate yeah. in this evil and spread the lie. Um, I know, you know. It's, it's to me, it's just sick. I mean, I mean, not not to browbeat people with the Bible, but the Bible tells you Jesus said, if anyone hurts the little, the least of these, the little kids, is they should have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the sea. Yep. And we're gonna, and we want to inject children with this garbage, this poison. It's like, why are you kidding me right now? What is wrong with you people? 
Well, and, and the six-month-old babies and older, I don't know what countries allow it. I know UK allows it, Germany and the United States. I don't, other countries are like, no, mm-hmm. we won't allow you to inject children. Um, I, I don't think any, I don't think we should allow being allowed anybody to being inject with, injected with this poison because it oh, needs nobody to be, should be injected. No, it needs to be gone. Yeah. Well, the other they're putting in our food. So it's in the meat supply, right? They're putting the mRNA technology. It's the now is it in the in the meat supply. But um, I've been researching the use of it in the in the plants, um, which goes back to the earliest is 2005. I found a study. Um, in maize, which is corn. And, and what's alarming about that is the early studies are in tobacco and algae. And what the mRNA technology does, again, these are nanotechnologies. Let me explain what they are. So this, even like the spike protein, if you go into Pfizer's, for what's in the vaccines, if you go into Pfizer's structural biological drug design, SBDD, they explain that they take they order the codes from Sinobiologica out of China. Um, so I don't know how they get those, but then they infect human embryonic kidney cells that produce these multi-species proteins. And they pour that fluid over something called gold quantifoil and graphene oxide. Uh, and it's done through cryo-electromicroscopy. So it's done at these negative you know, frozen te- temperatures. And they do mm-hmm. a series of high voltage electromagnetic fields to displace the electrons. Mm-hmm. So that new molecules are formed. They call them species. So the gold and the graphene oxide, the electrons are displaced with these biological proteins, you know, from multiple species and mm-hmm. new ionic bonds are created and they create these new molecules. They've created 400 of them to target different membranes throughout the human body. Wow. So, Yeah. Well, who was the originator of how to do this? It was God through photosynthesis, right? So through photosynthesis, the chloroplasts, they they attract light energy from the sun. And then Mm -hmm. that light energy takes uh, carbon dioxide and water, and it creates an electromagnetic field through that energy to displace the electrons and then create new molecules. Those molecules then become oxygen and glucose, right? So these, they're mimicking God is what they're doing. So when the mRNA is used in plants and it can be aerosolized, it hijacks the photosynthesis process to not produce oxygen and glucose, but to produce these multi-species proteins, these disgusting things. Well, that's going to decrease oxygen levels. Now, if they spray it over our lakes and our oceans, that's one third to 50% of our oxygen supply. That's Mm -hmm. the oxygen, you know, for sea life. So even people that are anti-human should be anti-mRNA technology because it's going to disrupt what's called the global carbon cycle of the entire planet. So if you don't care about humans, but you care about the duck-billed platypus, you should be against mRNA technology uh, because it's it's disrupting the natural cycles of of the environment and nature, all all, all life forms. Wow. Just, man, it's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. I'm sitting here listening to you going, man, am I listening to a sci-fi movie? I mean, honestly, because you, you're like, what? Yeah, it's a lot. It's, I know. Um, when you read the documents and you understand them, I don't want to say it makes sense because you think, why would someone, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And um, Bingo. 
Yes. I, um, they've always wanted to play God. They've always wanted to um, taint with God's greatest um, creation, you know, which mm -hmm. is, is man and woman. Um, yeah. You know, that's why they, so vaccines, I think, have always been harmful. I mean, the vaccines that are being used in China and Russia use the Vero cell line. That's the monkey cell line that you hear Dr. Judy Mikovich talk about all the time. So it doesn't appear to be this uh, extinction-like um, injection, but mm -hmm. still to be injected with genetic material from monkeys, that's disgusting. You know, and then, yeah. and I don't need monkey particles in me. Thank you. Yeah. And then, you know, and then they use human embryonic kidney cells to manufacture mm -hmm. this stuff. It's it that, that's that's killed unborn um, children. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. all evil. So I just don't know. Um, I started doing um, working with a lot of people in Florida and, and I'm trying to do I've been doing Zoom calls with local activists across states and stuff just. You know, I, I think it's going to be county by county that God's army wakes up and, you know. Yeah, well, I know, I know this, that this information that you have been talking about with me, mm -hmm. it needs to be everywhere. I mean, everybody needs to know about this. Yeah. There's a, but again, I, I hate this, but make no mistake, the, the leaders of the health freedom movement Many of them were selected, right? So, um, again, if in May of 2021, our leaders said, full stop, this can only cause disease, disabilities, and death. On October 22nd, 2020, the FDA met with all of industry, and they listed out two dozen diseases from paralysis to strokes to convulsions to multi-system inflammatory syndrome, my, you know, heart attacks, myocarditis, strokes, mm -hmm. uh, and spontaneous abortions, birth defects, and infertility. They know it's going to cause this. This can only cause disease, disabilities, and death. This is for use as a weapon, full stop. There sh this should not be a choice. But what happened? You know, make the bioweapon a choice. Make the injection a choice. Give me a break. I, I, I was so not on board with that. And I think that created a lot of confusion. So now we have for two years, you know, it looks like all of a sudden we changed our mind. I've never changed my mind. This should have never been a choice for anyone. And the concept that was too scary to tell people the truth is not true. People don't believe facts and evidence. They believe in people and they believe in leaders that they trust. So yep. if we had a unified message saying, full stop, these need to be pulled off the market. They're, they are can only harm. Then that message would have been heard. Yes, we would have Absolutely. had pushback, but we had pushback anyway. Yeah, yeah, you're you're good. You had exactly you had pushback anyway. I, I, yeah. I, for one, and my job was trying to push for us to get vaccinated <clears throat> with this stuff. And myself and several others, uh, told flat out told them, made it very clear we will not do this. Yeah, even to the point of losing our job, we're not doing it. So, if you want to lose your best employees. And you can't even find employees right now, especially during the pandemic. They couldn't find employees. We were deemed essential uh, mm. because we make paint. I don't know why that's essential, but okay. Um, until if you want to lose your best employees and not be able to do, you know, do your thing, you know, have at it. Let's go. Yeah. And what happened? Did you? Nothing happened. 
that's what people don't understand. When you face evil, when you bring light to darkness, the darkness flees. I don't, people, they just don't understand that. Like if you're confident in the truth, mm-hmm. the darkness must flee. It, that's, that is the law. That is God's law. Yep. And, and I, I wish, I don't understand why people don't understand that. You know, I don't either, because I even wrote emails to our HR department and said, mm-hmm. look, you're, you're violating people's rights here. Uh, we have the right to decide what goes in our bodies. You don't have that right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who, who, where you think you got that right, but you don't have it. You, our own personal Medicare, medical care is our business, not yours. Yeah. Yeah. And so. in my son in, in San Diego County, they mandated the vaccines for all students 16 and older. I have a teenage son. He's, you know, he's over the age of 16. And so when I found out about this, you know, I, I just sent off an email and I sent it to the San Diego Unified School District, the Medical Advisory Board, and I sent it to my son's school district, right? And I copied everyone and their mother on this email. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you may think that you have immunity because you got a memo from HHS, but I went through, you know, the evidence shows that this can cause disease, disabilities, and death. The FDA met on this date. The FDA said in 100 children ages 12 to 15, the risk-benefit ratio was not there. They said to cover up the data. You know, if any child, you know, has an injury or dies from this, I was like, your little memo from HHS isn't going to protect you. Nope. And I was like, and you cannot have plausible deniability because you've received this email. So mm-hmm. sure enough, it passed the mandate in every district except for my son's crazy now yeah yeah i know but they 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 didn't touch my they didn't touch my cub you know and i Mm. and that wasn't you know my my obviously my intention was to protect my son right but like i i I was hoping it as it should be as yeah i know yeah yeah um the best was they were the beginning of this year they were they had a meeting about the monkeypox uh protocols they were oh yeah 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 so I show up at that meeting. I was the only person that showed up. Me and my friend Audra, who doesn't even have kids, showed up with me. And I was like, let me tell you how you're going to screen for monkeypox. I was like, you're not going to be doing any of this. I was like, you're not even going to say the word monkeypox after this meeting is over. Right? And so <laughs> two days later, before school starts, they sent out this email. They're like, uh, after after discussing um, you know, the, the, uh, the concerns around monkeypox, we decided that it's not a relevant risk to any of the students. Therefore, there will be no monkeypox mm. policy. I was like, darn straight, there isn't going to be a monkeypox policy. Like, That's me. Hey, I've always said, you, you don't mess with mama bears. I'm telling you, you just don't. Well, no, because <laughs> the screening for monkeypox included basically in, in, in invasive, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, screen of people, of, of the children's genitalia. And I was like, you're not doing this. I was like, yeah, let no me doubt. be clear. You are not doing any of this. You're not even going to use the term monkeypox, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, they, I, yeah, they that down. You know, the, the thing with me is, I, you know, and my wife, we we both had, quote, COVID. Um, I believe I had it twice. Uh, my wife was hospitalized with it, but because uh, oh, right. she's, well, she's got, her lungs are a little more susceptible than mine are because she's had pneumonia a couple times. So, she got it. She was hospitalized. Um, obviously, she made it through it because she's in the other room talking to a client right now. But um, and we discussed and I said, do not 
under any circumstances, I don't care what a doctor tells you, do not let them put you on a ventilator. And she said, well, that's not going to happen because, you know, we had talked about different things like this before she even got sick. And I said, no, when people go on ventilators, most of them don't come off. Yeah, they don't come off. Yeah. They die, they die on the ventilator. I said, yeah. so do not, do not do that. And, you know, for me with, with my bout with it, um, the second time, I think I had it before they even knew, before they came out and said what it was, when I look back at it now. But the second time, um, you know, I did lose my sense of smell and sense mm. of taste, but I was not what I call sick. You know, I didn't have a fever. I, I didn't feel bad um, as far as that. I, you know, it, the weird thing was I felt like I had a fever, but when I took my temperature, I didn't have a fever. Yeah. It was yeah. very strange. It was like, man, I feel hot, like I've got a fever. And I'd take my temperature and it was 98.6. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, my, my mom and I had it too. It was like, we were kind of tired, a little bit general malaise, but I was still working out at the time and stuff. And my, my mom's 82 and it's like, you know, she was fine, you know. And, mm -hmm. and then when they rolled out the vaccines, her doctor kept pushing her to get the shot. And I kept having to tell her, you're not getting the shot, mom, don't do it. Because um, when I, my father ended up getting, he had one open heart, not an open heart, he had angioplasty done, but a very aggressive mm -hmm. one. They cleared out eight of his arteries and he was put on heparin, um, Plavix and warfarin. And he ended up having a hemorrhaging in his brain. He stroked. Right. And he was never the same afterwards. And I was, right. I was upset with the cardiac surgeon because he didn't disclose to me that I was going to put my father on three blood thinners. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I, at the time I was working on the Viagra count, I was getting off of work at two in the morning and because I knew the cardiac surgeon and all the fellows there, I could get in in the middle of night. And I went to visit my father and he was slurring his words and he had a headache and he's never been like that. And yeah, he, he asked for a can of soda and he called it a cat. And I, you know, I called uh, over the, the fellows and I said, there's something wrong with my dad. They're like, oh, he's older. I'm like, no, no, no. My father's always been sharp as a tack and they fell like a golf ball. And he was never the same afterwards. And I, um, it's actually the reason why I moved to out to California because that's where my father, I flew him into New York to get the surgery done. So I moved out mm -hmm. to take care of him. And, um, he, I mean, he was, he just wasn't, he was always sharp as a tack and he just, he just wasn't right. the same. So my mom would go, you don't understand mom. There's things that are worse than death. I mean, you can get this shot and you know, you could be your, your neurological function can change and you can be paralyzed. You could be in a wheelchair. Like you don't, you know, you don't, she's very healthy. You know, um, yeah. We're very robust people, if you will, right? And her doctor kept pushing her. And like the fourth time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to write you a note to tell that doctor to back off. I mean, you know, the doctor's mm -hmm. like a couple years older than me. And, and my mom's like, no, you don't have to do that. That's fine. And she calls me two days later crying. I go, is the doctor bullying you again, mom? And she goes, no, my doctor's dead. The doctor is about two years older than me. She died from a heart attack. Wow. Perfectly healthy Asian woman, like healthy fit, healthy BMI. Yeah, she died. Wow. You know, I had a, uh, I had a couple on my podcast about mm, a little over a month ago. Their last name is Martin. And they had an 18-year-old daughter. And uh, they came on and told me their story who had uh, passed away recently at the age of 18. Mm-hmm three weeks after getting the vaccine, which they didn't know she had gotten. 
she oh. did it she she did it so she could be able to go places without being hindered and blah 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 you know you're 18 years old you know all this kind of thing and they said she's always been healthy in her entire life and she said they said told me the only thing that we noticed different after she had the shot was that she was a lot more tired than usual but we didn't yeah. know she had had the shot either she didn't tell us because she knew we wouldn't have approved of it and uh so the bottom line is she died in one day in an eight hour time span from being went to a sleepover woke up the next morning said she didn't feel good she was going to go lay down her sister went in later to try to wake her up couldn't wake her up oh my her mom went over had to do cpr on her own daughter she died multiple times and the, they were able to bring her heartbeat back you know multiple times but they said when they got to the hospital they said they were calling doctors in off their days off to work on her to try to save her life and they they couldn't every multi, every organ in her body was shutting down um they even told her parents that it won't they said if we have to do cpr one more time it's going to kill her because we've done it so many times already yeah. um you know they said her chest is just broken um you know so they had to make the decision on their 18 year old daughter to not do anything to save her because they couldn't yeah you know and it was just and they did research separately after this had happened because they didn't even know the other was doing research about the vaccine and then they came together one day and they said you know look what i found and they go well that's weird i found the same thing and they were doing the same research they didn't even know the other was doing but it was one of her friends one of their daughter's friends at the hospital said i think you guys need to know something she was vaccinated a few weeks ago and she i don't think she wanted you to know but i feel like right now you need to know but it wasn't until after she passed away that they started putting things together that's that's the parents worst nightmare i am so yeah sorry. it was i mean their story is amazing and they've been doing nothing but more and more covid research you know and vaccine research since then to try to warn people and to try to you know get as much information available as they can and get information out to as many people as possible then that was my whole thing of getting them on the podcast i said i want this information in front of as many people as we can get it in front of and uh and that's why when michelle presented you know your thing to me i said oh absolutely get her for the podcast because these are that's what i want i i want this kind of information to as many people as we can get it to yeah i mean maybe we have some a little bit of time left i am um, i'm gonna pull up i can't see you right now but there's a letter that i put together for um this i can pull you up again so i met with the commissioners in collier county and i've met with sheriffs down there and i started meeting with other commissioners and i'm meeting with activist groups and I walk them through about, well, now I have 11 points of information that I walk them through. And mm -hmm. um, when I walked them through this information, originally the sheriffs were like, how quickly can you come back? And in Collier County, the commissioner sent back a $1.4 million grant to the NIH that was used for promotional purposes of the shots. They sent that back. Then they passed right. a resolution and an ordinance um, for medical health freedom, you know, and also acknowledging that the federal government got things 
grossly wrong when it came to COVID-19 um, and the safety of the injections and that there was gross government overreach. So we are, but I, I think going, in, and, and then when I also shared this information with victims, you know, um, specifically the October 22nd meeting, and, I, and I, I'm going to pull up the letter and kind of walk through it. I'm not going to be able to see okay. what I'm going yeah. through it. Um, but the victims, you know, they kind of had this Stockholm syndrome where they're like, look, I, I'm injured and I don't know what to do. And I, I know it's mm -hmm. not anyone's fault. And then I show them on October 22nd, the FDA met with Pfizer and all the pharma companies, and they knew it was going to cause strokes and convulsions and seizures and blood clots and heart right. inflammation and myocarditis. And many of these people have heart inflammation and blood clots and mm -hmm. neurological dysfunction. They, you know, they shake. And when the I list showed goes them, on. And when they see the slide, and I said, they knew this was going to happen. And then on December 11th, they authorized this to be used on civilians, including you. And they go, let's get those SOBs. Their whole, everything changes. Oh, when I'm they sure. know that there was criminal intent, that this was not an accident. And I can prove that Pfizer had criminal intent. It's in black and white. Um, then things change. So yeah, let me pull it up and um, it, it'll be on my, my Substack's Karen Kingston Substack. So this, this letter will be up this weekend. Okay, and, cool. Um, but there's a lot of good Substacks too that are up right now for free. The $3 trillion Substack is free. It's pretty good though. It's about how Pfizer doesn't have immunity. Um, so the letter says, you know, dear recipients, and what you would do is let's say it's a school board or a group of doctors or commissioners, you would list out their names and then mm -hmm. you could, you know, here to after referred to as the commissioners or the board, you know, and it just says you're in receipt of this no notice um, providing you with 11 facts um, regarding the fraudulent promotion of access to COVID-19 injections of safe and effective vaccines that are known toxic agents that cause unwarranted disease, disabilities and death in adults and children, placing you at risk for civil and criminal liability. The documents presented herein uh, can uh, can stand up in a court of law. Right. Mm -hmm. And have been used in courts of law. They actually have been used in, in global courts of law. Um, and so, point one is the mRNA, mRNA injections do not prevent infection. So you would say, you know, healthcare doctors, you told us that the COVID nineteen injections would prevent infection. Um, not only do they not prevent infection, they actually increase the risk of infection. Per Pfizer's, you know, phase three data submitted in September of twenty twenty one, their post hoc analysis. Uh, it states that of the 18,000 study participants, nearly 19,000, who originally got injected with the Pfizer injection at 10 months, they had an infection rate of 7%. The placebo group was injected, there's about 18,000, and at around four and a half months, they had over a 5% infection rate. Pfizer concluded that the analysis, analysis indicates that the incidence of COVID-19 generally increases in each group of the study with increasing time after the second dose. This means that after you get two doses, your risk for infection of disease increases. This mm -hmm. was confirmed point number two um, by the Cleveland Clinic. They did a study of 51,000 employees. What they found was across employees who got zero doses, one or two doses, or they got the bivalent booster, so they got three or four doses, they found the same thing that Pfizer found, which is over a 90-day period from the last day of the second dose, those who got no doses versus two doses, those who got two doses had a three-fold increase of coming down with COVID-19. Those who got the booster shots 
had a fourfold increase of coming down with COVID-19 just over a three-month period versus no one, those who got no injection at all. So it wow. increases the risk to develop disease. Mm -hmm. It also increases the risk for severe disease, which is defined as um, liver, uh, kidney, or neurological dysfunction, being put on a ventilator, admission to the ICU, or death. Mm -hmm. Within one week of the first or second dose, 409 patients came down with severe COVID. Pfizer said that unconfirmed COVID cases could have mass clinically significant adverse events that would have not otherwise been detected. That means Pfizer said, we're not sure if it's our shot or a virus that caused people to have liver, kidney, or neurological dysfunction, be admitted to the ICU or died. That's a problem, 400 yeah. people. Um, furthermore, uh, Pfizer and the FDA state that the mRNA injections cause stroke, heart attack, autoimmune disease, miscarriages, birth defects, blood clots, myocarditis, convulsions, seizures, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, and other diseases and death. So this is the October 22nd, 2022, uh, 2020 meeting, and they list out all Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is paralysis, They right. all diseases. They, they list out also, um, uh, where is it here? Uh, demyelinating diseases. So that is deterioration of the lining of your nerve cells, right? Um, so wow. they knew it was going to cause this. And when I showed the sheriffs and the victims this slide, um, one of the sheriffs got teared up. The victims became angry, you know, mm -hmm. because they knew this was going to happen. Because they met on this date, they were in violation of the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act. I cite the law, it's 21 USC 312.42B1. And what that says is in a phase one study of up to 80 patients maximum, if you know a human subjects are going to be at unreasonable risk for risk of illness or injury, you must stop the study. Because they even did the phase two, three studies, because they did the authorization and because they provided the approval, they violated this law and engaged in criminal human experimentation on civilians. Wow. They acted in criminal behavior. Uh, point six is Pfizer placed children at unnecessary risk for harm because they met uh, in, um, oh, sorry, so under emergency use authorization, it even says, and, and Pfizer says they would agree to this, that the FDA, before they authorize a product, they must determine that the benefits outweigh the risks. That's clear. So a mm -hmm. product does not have to be safe to be authorized, I mean, effective, but it must be safe. That's right. the law under HHS, right? Well, Pfizer um, submitted or to the FDA on June 10th, 2021, their analysis. And what did Pfizer tell the FDA? They go, depending on epidemiological trends, an adequately powered endpoint efficacy trial um, with sufficient case accrual against children is impossible to conduct. So they knew children didn't get the disease. And right. then on November 20th, they submitted data. We thought the children, the 12 to 15 year old study started in December. No, there were thousands of children in the original study and they took 100 of those children. And on November 20th, they told the FDA, there's a total of 100 children um, between the ages of 12 to 15. However, the sponsor, Pfizer BioNTech, said, don't include this data in the emergency use authorization submission because the reactogenicity data is does not have a favorable benefit risk determination at this time. That means that the data for the children 12 to 15, the risks were far worse than the benefit. It was damning. Right. Pfizer said, cover it up. And they told the FDA, we're going to start off with a new batch of kids with a new study. 
Wow. Um, so that's that's pretty much you know it. And then I think the other key point is that in 2017, uh, the NIH filed a patent for vaccine nanotechnology, and your viewers will be able to see this. And it says, you know, the pegylated lipids in some embodiments, it will deliver a toxic, a chemical weapon, an agent of biowarfare. Uh, and the last point, point 11, is that in every state, I cited the state of Colorado, if you allow access to a um, biological a weapon or material, it's a class two felony. So those are important points to make to people. Yeah, yeah, very important points. Yeah. It just, well, like you said, it just points out that they knew exactly what they were doing that yeah. they knew it was going to kill people and harm people and you know all these things and they did it anyway exactly and it just shows the to me the height of evil of these people yep it, that's um it, so they the, if you read the documents it shows criminal intent right uh, especially with the children i mean they said with the children this is the reactor genesis data, which is those two dozen diseases and death. They said, mm -hmm. this is terrible. It's damning. Yeah. Let's scrap the data we have with the children we did the research on and start with a new batch of kids. That's what they did. Yeah. This is Joseph Mengele level experimentation. Yeah, it's sick. It's yeah. sick. Yeah. Wow. So, so I, I'll get you that draft, you know. Those yeah, drafts. that's perfect. That would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, I was just going to ask you to, once we end the recording, to hang on and then I'll, I'll give you some information so you could get it to me. That, so that'd be awesome. So, um, yeah, so I don't know if we're, um, I know I'm, I'm never fun to talk to. I mean, no, I, mean I think your information <laughs> is amazing and I think you're very fun to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So um, let's wrap this up for tonight. And like I said, hang on after I end the recording and uh, I'll get you some information so you can get me that information. Okay. And, uh, but man, Karen, I thank you so much for being on and for all this very important and vital information you've given to uh, our listeners tonight. I appreciate your time. I appreciate all the effort that you've put into this because it's gotta be extensive. I know that for a fact. And so, man, I just, I, I can't thank you enough. And besides, I get to meet another believer in Christ. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I think God's army is going to be um, waking up soon. So um, Stu Peters, we just wrapped up a film. It'll be coming out called, fortunately, it's called Final Days. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, you know, uh, the producers are, um, they're, they're, they, they produce Christian films. So we'll see if that, you know, at least people will know that, um they're being called now. They're being called to stand up. Yep. Yep. We got to stand up. Be counted. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Karen. Thank you for We the People tonight. I th thank you very much for being on. And uh, mm -hmm. like I said, hang on after recording. Don't go anywhere. And uh, But uh, thank you for your time and thank you for putting all this together. And uh, that's all we have for you from We the People tonight as your host, Rodney. I uh, appreciate you all listening and you're going to want to listen to this. You're going to want to share it. You're going to want to get it in front of as many people as you can. And so please do so. And for uh, we, the people, that's all we've got tonight. Thank you very much for listening and uh, God bless you. <laughs>